0: Ho, ho, ho. How's your Christmas spirit so far? Have you ever wondered where the joy goes in the midst of all the busyness of managing your home, your children's education, and the intensity of Advent? Bonnie Landry is here to tell us about keeping the joy in Christmas.
1: Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Miladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, bestselling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections.
0: Hi, I'm Lisa Maladnik, and we're talking about keeping the joy in Christmas with Bonnie Landry. Bonnie is an ordinary Catholic mom living on Vancouver Island with her family. She and her husband, Albert, have raised or are still raising seven children who range in age from 13 to 32. Three of the children are now married, and the avalanche of grandbabies has begun. Bonnie's mission is joy. Living simply, disciplining with dignity, fostering community— and encouraging others are all central to her life. Her mission is to encourage others to be present to the people they love and to show them that it is possible to learn how to make joy normal. Homeschooling her kids for the last 28 years confirmed for Bonnie that strong relationships are fundamental for success in education as well as the rest of life. Bonnie says life is kind of a bust if you can't get along with people. (laughs) So true. Welcome to the podcast, Bonnie.
2: Hi, Lisa. Thanks for having me back.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. We had so much fun in September. Um, Tell us, why is it so difficult for us to have a joyful Advent and Christmas? (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay. A couple A couple of thoughts on that note. One is I think that one of the difficulties we experience as parents is we're trying to continue their sort of regular education along with the celebrations that go along with the feast, right? The preparation for the feast that we're about to experience. I think it's easy to forget that we can actually be having... Um, Christmas is... In and of itself, a unit study. Advent is a unit study. So we could actually forego a lot of things, especially with our smaller children, forego a lot of things and just dive into that as, as your education for that period of time, right?
0: Okay, so this is a revolutionary idea. We can choose to do a unit study for Advent on Advent and Christmas. Absolutely. Why not?
2: <laughs> you know, why not? And, uh, uh, so, I mean, I think that's part of it. Fitting, fitting, you know, education into something that should be celebrated in its fullness, kind of embracing it. I think this is one of the most beautiful things we have at our disposal as homeschooling parents that we can do that for Easter for Christmas or for big feast days we can just say this is what we're doing for the next few days where you know and and we can include uh, curriculum in it if you know if we need to we can include our writing or our um, social studies or whatever in that but really you are anyways right you do it uh, without without recognizing that you're doing it because you're talking about it so much learning just happens through discussion right But I think the other thing, and this is something that it was not very many years ago that I discovered about myself. I would get kind of frustrated with Advent because I was trying to kind of experience Advent, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And at some point I thought, okay, wait a minute. It's the season of preparation. So it's the time to do the work. It's the time to do the work so that Christmas can be the time to... Feast and revel and and be present to the knowledge of Christ coming as our as our baby King, but you know Advent. Just roll your sleeves up and get the work done. Stop whining about it. -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, if preparation is what I'm supposed to do right now, and that made a big difference for me. That suddenly realizing that I can just prepare and not think that this is the party season because actually it's not. You know, this is the preparation season. This is the work season.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so it is a work season. But um, how do we rescue Chris- Christmas from being a stress factory?
2: Yeah. Uh, over Overcommitment, absolutely, is something that we need to be aware of. Again, always, our vocation is our marriage and our children. And everything else has to become secondary, right? So... It's, it's hard to say no sometimes to the outside commitments. But if our focus is what is our family doing for Advent and Christmas? And it's, it's wonderful to pull in what you can to be involved in a nativity play or, or, you know, the various many, many, many things that are going on at Christmas time. But choose wisely so that you're not making yourself crazy, you know choose wisely avoid it being a season of just a clutter of things to do you know and again with advent being a preparation season lovely to do those things but be aware we're not in christmas yet and so you know let's just keep it keep everything down to a minimum and make sure we make space for preparation of the coming of the lord so we have to make space for that
0: Mm, what does that look like in your family? what what's what has advent typically been like, and how did that evolve?
2: So I'm a convert. ok, I'm an adult convert. And so we had some Christmas traditions, but I was raised in an uh, a religious, non-Christian background, okay? So we had some traditions but not uh, sort of the rich, religious, spiritual, um, traditions of the church. And it was actually, as a new convert, it was one of the things that really jazzed me about, uh, about the church was that it was so tradition-rich, right? And we look for that, you know, in terms of time and how we spend our time and how we look towards the seasons and whatnot. Um, so one of the same things that fascinated me was my husband is his family's French-Canadian, so there 's a lot of traditions around Christmas from a French Canadian perspective as there is in every culture. but I was in a sense a bit a cultural as well right um, because faith is really something that really grounds grounds us culturally and often it 's our, our ethnic background that does that um, so for me, the first thing was to adopt some of uh, albert 's traditions in his family that were I thought were really beautiful um, and the one big tradition in the french uh, canadian tradition is called reveillon it means awakening all right so what happened when albert was a kid he would they would family would go to reveillon go to m- midnight mass come home have a big feast in the middle of the night right we adapted that to our family we would go to the an evening mass which was maybe eight o'clock or nine o'clock uh you know because we didn't want to leave our little kids at home uh to go to a midnight mass so we would all go to an evening mass and then have that event when we came home from mass so at you know 10 or 11 or 12 o'clock at night we would have this beautiful we still do we have a beautiful feast um, that was very simple uh, you know, sort of like, um, cut up hors d'oeuvres and the French Canadian meat pie and that sort of thing. Um, so it wasn't a meal exactly. It was sort of snack food that would all be on the table before we left. The baby would be put in the crush before we left and, uh, and we would come home. So it was hidden. The kids didn't see any of this. So it was hidden. And then, um, you know, the door was opened and this is what they would come home to. Oh,
0: lovely yeah, so adapting to things that are already within your family culture, drawing those things in. And um what about Advent? We, you started off by by suggesting that Advent could become a unit study and that you could incorporate your academics. But is it possible to step off the hamster wheel altogether and just do Advent?
2: Yeah, we, we generally do, except, you know, maybe my high schoolers who, uh, you know, have maybe a little bit more of a textbook, they have to follow or a class they're in, but they just, we just minimize what they do so that we can spend our time getting the Christmas baking done, you know, having the, the house look beautiful and, um, you know, reading about the saints that happened during Advent. But we also, one of our really important family traditions that we started doing was a Jesse tree. Very early on, we added in traditions. You know, the kind of having an a-religious background, it sort of was a blank slate in a sense. And as I read about different kinds of traditions, uh, I thought, oh, that's something I'd like to adopt. So we added things in slowly over time. You know, now we have sort of a lot of traditions, but, um, you know, we started small. Now, the Jesse tree was something that struck me as a really beautiful tradition. And for those, you know, I mean, most Catholics, I think, are aware of a Jesse tree, but we we are talking about Christ springing from the root of Jesse. And the Jesse tree tradition is basically a, a reminder of salvation history. So we would often, for many people, this is what it looks like, is that a, a twig or a, a branch is put into a a pot of of dirt or rocks or something to hold it in place, and then every um, night of Advent, a, an ornament is hung on the tree that's representative of of part of this piece of the story of salvation history, and so we get this beautiful story unfolding every year for the kids, so that they really get a, a grasp on um, on the big picture of. Of salvation history and where we came from and where we're headed and uh, so I thought it was really beautiful now I had a house full of little kids and the idea of having you know ornaments hung on a tree wasn't very appealing to me because first of all um, I would have to find the ornaments or make the ornaments or buy the ornaments which we couldn't afford at the time um, but also I just thought I just imagine this branch just being the attractive thing that my kids want to grab and pull apart and all of that. And I don't want it to be a fight. I want it to be something lovely. So what we did was we cut out a black silhouette of a, a simple tree and we pasted that on the wall, right, uh, attached it to the wall. And then as uh, – so the the Jesse tree also has readings that go with every a scripture reading that goes every, with every evening that you hang an ornament on the tree. Oh, they're beautiful. Um, well, for us, I handed out, I would have little squares of paper, and I would hand those out to the kids, and they would draw something from the reading.
0: Oh, that's lovely.
2: Uh, it was so fun, and they, we still do it. And so we would draw something from the reading um, as Albert was reading, and they would then tape it to the tree, right? Oh. So some years there would be five or six you know of the same story, take to the tree uh, you know from a, a three year old drawing something out to a you know an eighteen year old drawing something out um, you know that was maybe quite advanced and quite beautiful and representative of the story um, and then that we so we have this beautiful tree uh, pasted all over with pictures but it was it was lovely because first of all it wasn't breakable it wasn't another thing that I had to be concerned that was going to be a problem um, but also, it kept the kids busy Well, Albert was doing the, uh, the reading, right? So, they would be coloring away um, while we were doing the reading, and we'd usually have some special hot drink, you know, hot, hot apple cider or something like that, along with that. Um, so, that Jesse tree just became, it's something really, really lovely that uh, was easy to do. And, you know, if you don't do it every night, that's okay, you know odd night when you're out and, and that's okay right so you don't have to feel like you need to catch up or or redo or or anything or just oh forget it this isn't worth it you just do what you can right? Do what you can. I think um, there's
0: such genius in that too, because who couldn't put a cutout of a tree on a wall and hand out squares of paper to their children? I mean, I feel like anybody can do that. And and look at the learning on different levels. They're listening, that's auditory. They're looking at something which is visual. And then kinesthetically, they're drawing, they're engaging physically. Just think of how of those layers of learning that are happening while they're you know, having this joyful example of being in the family environment and hearing the word of God, that it's, that it's, but that it's part of them coming together. I think that's incredible. I mean, there are so many great, There are, there's a lot of Catholic blogs out there where you can get ideas for Jesse Trees and where you can find the readings. So that's very easy to find. And there are a lot of different crafty things that you can do if you're a crafty family. Our family is not particularly crafty. No, me neither. <laughs> but to me, that's just like, man, I wish I'd heard that idea when my daughter was young, because we both love to draw. And that would have been really cool to do.
2: Yeah yeah and um you know for me it was it was expedient, efficient, didn't add more to my life and 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 made it so that you know we were having an education um, you know, that was completely not our normal kind of education. Right. And sometimes the kids would write a little quote of the verse on their picture as they got older, you know, they, uh, you know, I have some, I'm not artistic or crafty at all, but I have kids who are for sure. And it was, it was a lovely sort of expression of that as they got a little older, that sort of sitting around time in the evening was really lovely. So we added in, um, I would read a chapter of a Christmas carol, uh, every year I have, I collect copies of a Christmas carol. (laughs) I love that story. Yeah. And so that was something, you know, as, as I didn't have toddlers anymore and whatnot, we added in a story
0: uh, as well.
2: So that's been lovely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I I love that you said, yeah, if you miss a night, just skip it, you know, because I mean, that's the reality of our lives is you start off like you start off your homeschool year, that everything's going to look a particular way and your Jesse (laughs) tree is going to have all the images and we're never going to, but from year to year, when you have a tradition like that, they get all the pieces. It's like, you know, we hear the scriptures or, you know, through the different cycles year after year. We celebrate the liturgical year, year after year. And as we grow and as we mature spiritually and otherwise, we experience them on a deeper and deeper level and, and just the, you know, just the prioritizing of it in a way that doesn't have everybody completely stressed out and bickering is just so nice. Oh, so nice,
2: and um, another thing too is just from a, from a, a cyclical perspective is that I mean math is cyclical, you know. So you you you're learning the same things at a little higher level every single year, and so even there, you know, okay, they don't maybe they don't quite get fractions yet, but they're going to get it next year. We're going to come around again to this next
0: year. right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So Christmas doesn't have to be perfect, or Advent doesn't have to be perfect.
2: No, not at all. And and uh, I think when you're really committed to to, uh, you know, just exploring it every year. Even if you did it differently every year, it wouldn't matter, right? That we're coming back to the same ideas. What is this all about? You know, what is this beautiful thing we're doing? You know, how can we um, uh, pursue it more deeply? You know, like, uh, you know, an advent wreath, you know, for example, uh, another just beautiful thing. Okay, Every Sunday we light a new candle. What? It, what is that? You know, what is the pink candle? What does it all mean? There's just, Just discussion topics but it's so it's so rich
0: yeah a a really simple little um resource that i like too is from lisa hendy it's called oh radiant dawn and they're the O antiphons put together very beautifully and simply for families that are very accessible for young children that's uh, i'll put that in the show notes it's a little booklet yeah um and that's Lisa Hendy's, um, but I'll put that in the show notes. I also really like the O' Night Divine blog, and that's Mary Ellen Barrett. Um, that's got tons of ideas for Advent as well. And and so what you're basically saying then is, is you're discovering through family culture, through ways that work for you. This this ability to step into Advent together there's a more of a kind of a naturalness to it. What other tra- traditions does your family have, and um, and how did you sort of come by them, or what did that look like, and how has it evolved? Just let us see a little more of your life.
2: Yeah, we have a lot. So it's it's funny, like it's you know, We have kind of a ridiculous amount of traditions, but you know they just grew naturally when we could handle them, kind of things. So and
0: not all at once. You didn't exactly, do them all at once, yeah. right?
2: So my husband's a big, big fan of um, Mother Angelica, okay? And she was very powerful in his early years of him reverting to the church. Uh, And anyway, one day he heard her um, on a show and she said, you know, we should be out processing the streets. You know, we should be going around the blocks in our neighborhoods, you know, singing about the Lord. And and so he thought, and it happened to be near Advent. And he said, we can't, we live early, so we can't really go around the block. But he said, we could start an Advent procession. Right, And so we started this Advent procession uh, would be before we sat down and did our Jesse tree or after we sat down and did our Jesse tree. And um, we sing, Oh, come divine Messiah. He wanted it to be really clear that this is Advent, right? We're cu- something's coming. So um, the older kids would all carry a candle and the younger kids would carry, <laughs> for fire safety reasons, <laughs> <we'd> <laughs> carry one of the figures from the crash. You know, we have a continuity crash, you know, because they're, Great, I love Fontanini um, figures because they're resin. They're made of resin. They're not breakable. And the kids can handle them and touch them. And uh, anyway, so highly recommend investing in a in a Fontanini crush. Um, And so they would walk around and we would process singing, Oh, come divine Messiah around our house. And uh, yeah, and that was just one of those beautiful things. And now, you know, we have grandkids, a couple of them live on our property. So now they can join in sometimes and they want to come over and, you know, process with us. Like,
0: (laughs) you know, yeah,
2: it's great. Yeah, it's really neat. And, um, you know, just one of those things. that's such a simple thing; doesn't re- require anything of us, right? Except a willingness to get up and walk around the house for a couple minutes, you know. So, yeah. So then oh, we would end. We kneel. We would kneel and say a prayer after the procession um, at the crash. Put the figures back and the candles back, and um, you know, continue on our day. So, a uh, tradition. A couple of traditions that have grown into the adult world is that first of all, when my daughters got to be adults, I started them on their own Fontanini sets, So I would give them, you know, Mary Joseph, the baby uh, to start off with and then added, um, uh, you know, pieces to it so that their, their Fontanini sets are, are growing for their own children, right? Um, And that's been nice because I know like in in my house, we weren't allowed to touch the nativity scene, you know, so, and that's, you know, that's okay as expected because it was breakable. But now that you can get these resin ones, I put it down low. It's somewhere where the, you know, kids can come over and play with it. And they, you know, they add, you know, the dinosaurs. (laughs) 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 uh,
0: Yeah.
2: Sometimes, you know, I'll find, you know, the, the, um, the chickens from our plastic animals, you know, also, (laughs)
0: Gosh. adoring jesus
2: yeah exactly
0: i love the thought of a t-rex adoring jesus that's
2: <laughs> know, it's, it's um, pretty spectacular <laughs> that makes me very happy <laughs> yeah so another adult tradition that grew out of this was um was that did did i talk to you about the bride's tree when we before the show okay so i don't even know where i came across this okay this is very um uh just yeah, sketchy about where the details came from on this, but I came across a, tr- a Catholic tradition called the bride's tree, and the idea was that when a bride got married, um, you put together uh, a series of ornaments for her that would go on her first Christmas tree because she doesn't have very much yet, and they would all represent the things that she would take into her marriage. So, um, uh. Of course, I don't remember them now. I have a blog post on it, which I'll include um, in the talk notes. Uh, but it would include things like uh, family life, Um uh, to always have an um, abundance of food. Um, so it'd be like a little basket of fruit, you know, a artificial basket of fruit um, for her marriage, for the Holy Spirit to be part of this, for, you know, St. Nicholas. All of these sort of traditions to be brought together. I think it's about 20 ornaments. Um, and so I, I sort of took uh, various ornaments that had been mine that would have special significance to my kids off my own tree. And it was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'll cry. <laughs>
0: Aw, it's There's okay. one of
2: those things that, like, I want it to be a little bit hard for me. You know, that I have to sacrifice some, some of the ornaments I love because we don't stop sacrificing for our children when they grow up and get married. And that. so I'll take a few things that are hard for me to give you, but I know that they will be loved. And so two or three ornaments came off my tree in my abundance, the richness of my life to give to you. You know, and, and some of them I made in various other sort of ways. Sometimes it was a little secondhand thing I found. But, you know, it, it's kind of fun. This little collecting of the ornaments uh, has been a real neat little project for, for my daughters. And anyway, so that was something that grew out of that. And, of course, Christmas baking, right, which is uh, something that, you know, has to be um, an important part of Christmas. Your Christmas food, food is important. You know, we come to the table.
0: Absolutely. I feel like wherever Jesus went, at, at the key moments he was feeding people, and of course that all prefigures the Eucharist, but, but in our very social media connected world and with all our texting and everything else, sometimes we don't realize why we're so lonely when we're so connected. We're not face-to-face breaking bread together, say, thanking God for what we have. And so that, that image of food really is such an important part of family life. It brings us together. And uh, helps us to be face-to-face. It's so sacred to feed another person.
2: It is. And, you know, it, even if you can't, um, you know, if you can't make 10, we probably have, you know, 8 or 10 things that we generally bake. You know, there's been the odd hard year where the baking didn't get done, <laughs> Sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, in general, if there was just one thing, you know, your shortbread cookies or your butter tarts or whatever, that you, instead of making it be, okay, one more thing, I have to check off my list, that we, you know what? today's the day we're doing our butter tarts. And let's just let's just embrace it. Let's make it you know, beautiful. Let's, let's uh, get all our butter tarts done and then sit down and have tea and test them and make sure they're going to be okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that while wow, they're still warm. No, I love that because this freedom to have our family lives take priority is so amazing. This ability to say, okay, today is for baking. And it, what does that teach our children? That you don't have to be dancing to the tune of society. You can say, you know what? The Lord's melody is calling us to get off the hamster wheel today and bake and, and be in the, well, there's an educational side to sifting and measuring, right? There's a, that and the kids and the fun mess and the cleaning up afterwards or whatever that is. And then the setting up for tea. There are a lot of lessons in that. But lest we forget, there's joy in it. There's the sensory appreciation of God's gift of our humanity shared in that, in that beautiful kind of banquet of the senses. And, and I feel like that's something, too, that reduces stress levels, is allowing us to be in that sensory place of the joy of being alive in our bodies. We are body and soul, so let the body embrace the, the beauty of togetherness and smells and food.
2: Yeah, make it, the memories created when you're baking are powerful, Oof, right? Because yeah. of the, you know, olfactory thing going on.
0: <laughs> and it's not just passive learning either. It's receiving and giving and all of that woven together in a way that I feel like is just distinctly um, human in the best sense. Um, there's a wonderful C.S. Lewis, uh, I'm sorry, it's not C.S. Lewis, it's G.K. Chesterton essay, The Drift from Domesticity. And it's from a collection of his essays that I just bought recently. And he talks about how the home is such a place of freedom and, and individuality and, and just beauty for the family and anything that we can do to help our children to appreciate that in a society that does not appreciate the domestic realm.
2: Oh, I'll tell you so- something. Um... That relates to this. So, I lost my mom four years ago. She and she died, you know, suddenly. And she was 73. She was quite young. Um, we lose her, but I, there's so many beautiful life lessons I learned from my mom about, you know, domestic things. And my mom, you know, they, her and my dad got married young, and they, um, uh, my mom was 17 when she got married, and they, you know, were married for 56 years. It's just it's a beautiful love story. But um my mom always said, you know, you should always make things special. Right. And for her, it was putting a slice of orange on the side of your plate or chopping some parsley on top of your pasta and and you know, making something special, right? I it's such that's this is what this is all about, right? This is what even when you're saying GK Chesterton is like this is this is sacred right not just special i'm serving you a meal right and that's sacred and so if i chop my piece of parsley and put it beside you you know or beside your plate or beside your it can be a hot dog for crying out loud right you know i mean what's the what's the chesterton expression he says oh anything worth doing is worth doing badly so So, the family meal is is one of those things, advent is one of those things, you know, just do it, just show up and, and do the best you can and make it as special as you can in your moment. Right. And, uh, but you know, this, like, uh, I don't know, the image of my mom slicing oranges and putting them on the side of her plate or tucking parsley in her sandwich. you know, It's brilliant. Right. She always had flowers in a vase, you know, and uh, it could just be a piece of greenery. And, but that was
0: important to her to have the table look special right? Because you're celebrating something that, yeah, just giving just having that be a part of your cult, family culture to celebrate. Um, how does having a joyful home in Advent impact the surrounding community? We just have a few minutes. What does that look like for you and your family as far as the way it kind of ripples out?
2: So one of our charisms as a family is is hospitality, right? So because of sort of this giving over of, of uh, that Advent is a time of preparation. I'm also preparing the house. So, you know, in whatever capacity that means, having the house be clean, having the house be decorated, having, you know, whatever it is I want to do. And some years, you know, I go what much more. Some years I, you know, go crazy decorating. Some years barely at all, you know, depending on what's going on in my life. But the fact is that that I want anybody to be able to show up at my door and know that they're welcome you know, so a few things happen. So people know, you know, our people know our family traditions. So they know that if they come over in the evening that we're going to do a procession, right. Right. If they come over in the evening, they're going to participate in the Jesse tree, you know, and so, and so sometimes there might be 20 people around the table and we're all (laughs) Jesse tree character, right. Awesome. Um, You know, and that there'll be a bottle of wine to open and you know, that we can, um, that that's what I want, is that my house can be a place where people can gather. Uh, this is a, a beyond Advent tradition, but it, it, um, we had a tradition, have, still have, we always do, that on Saturday and Sunday mornings before Mass, um, we would always have coffee time. So especially Saturday mornings, we this was important to us because your Saturday can get all eaten up with um, with worldly things, right? No chores and 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 that's good. Saturday is a good day to do those things, but let's book aside an hour or two where we sit around in the morning and we have coffee and can chit chat. And you know, you're home from work today, and we have that time, right? And so it became. We started this years ago, and that became kind of an institution. So our kids, as teenagers, their friends, or young adults, they would say, "Can we come for coffee time today?" It became its you know its own thing, right? Can we coffee time on Saturday? Can we come for coffee time this morning? And um, and so you know, during Advent, that's sort of even, I would say more in Christmas time, that's even more uh, pronounced because it's the time when people are making sure they're home from college, they're home from wherever, and they're they're making sure that they get to visit with people. Hey, are you guys having sa- coffee time? They know we are, but <laughs> are you guys having coffee time this morning? Um, you know, can we come over? And so what a lovely t- to them to know that this is a time we've set aside and you're welcome to be part of it. You know, that's that's a lovely thing right
0: beautiful to and to have the family have the expectation that the door is always open that everyone is welcome and that this thing that we do is special look look at the fruits people are attracted to it and and what and then what how do we when we create our own families start to create that same sense of open doors and warm hearts
2: Oh yeah, I was going to talk about, I'm talking about the stuff I do. I think it might be wise to talk about the stuff I don't do. Okay, because we <laughs> okay. can't do it all. And there's many, many years we have chosen to not do one thing or another, or it's fallen off the wagon because, you know, one thing and another. And so a couple of things that... I, um, have happened over the years. One is that I don't do a Christmas morning breakfast at all because I can't imagine doing a Reveillon on Christmas Eve and doing a Christmas dinner and doing a fancy breakfast. And so I know for some families that's really important, the big fancy brunch. And so I just decided years ago, no way, right? I just put all the leftovers from Reveillon on the table for breakfast (laughs) right that's it right and that's um you know I have to keep that easy for me so that when we're sitting opening because I'm not thinking about breakfast and you know I'm just like help yourself man and
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly lovely um,
2: and so so that's something I don't do and um you know again Christmas dinner is sometimes uh a big fancy affair and sometimes a simpler affair Uh, several years ago uh, before I had my last, we have seven kids before I had my last in between, um, the sixth and the seventh, I had a couple of miscarriages and one of them happened to be Christmas morning. So, so, you know, we got up Christmas morning and, uh, I had started bleeding and I know, um, you know, a sensitive topic for, for some people you may want to, uh, qualify, but I, um, I got up, we opened gifts and and I knew, and then I just went up to my bed and laid in bed and, and cried for an hour, but I wanted to get through Christmas, you know, the opening of the gifts. Um, but I knew I was going to have to say something at some point to my family. So, but I just, you know, bore my grief for some period of time and, um, on my own hour. So on my own, and my husband came up after a while, couldn't find me. And, and I explained to him what was, um, what was happening. And, uh he said, well, you know what, we can just have Christmas dinner next week or, or whatever. And my, I had teenage girls at the time. Um, and they came up and, you know, they were sad and were with me. And they said, Mom, we can cook Christmas dinner. We'll cook Christmas dinner. And so trial by fire, they learned to cook a Christmas dinner that day without me. I laid in bed all day. And um, and my beautiful daughters. <laughs> you know, learned how to, you know, how, to, how do we, but they would run off every half an hour. How do we make this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> how do we, you know, and it was, but it was so lovely. They were pretty competent cooks, but, but what a, it turned out to be such a gift, right? That. They, and, you know, they were proud of themselves. I was so proud of them that they just took it on. Let's do this month.
0: And, um, yeah. yeah. gorgeous.
2: Yeah. Amazing thing, right?
0: Yeah, it really is. I feel like, and I want to sound trite because that was an incredibly moving thing. I think we're both sort of chuckling through our tears here. Um, but God does bring such blessings even out of our sorrows and sometimes especially so that that's so memorable and that the love of your daughters was poured out on you and into the rest of the family. That's a powerful witness. Yeah, so, so our Advents, you know, our, our times of being alive in our faith and exploring and, and trying to discover what is the charism of our family and how do we respond to each other. And I just, I just love this whole subject of joy because again, joy is not kind of a silly forced happiness. It comes from deep within and it can be mingled with tears as our laughter just was a moment ago.
2: It's a decision. Right, joy like love is—it's an act. It's something that you do, you know. And and we can learn if if you're not a person who is naturally cheerful, naturally joyful, it's something that you can practice. And joy doesn't have to look—you know—I'm—I'm I'm sanguine. I'm you know out there. You know, I maybe I look more cheerful than the next guy, but you know, my deep-rooted sense of joy is is something different than that. Right? That's just a, a temperament thing, a personality thing. Um, you know, but uh, joy is really a decision. And this, you know, this event, Christmas morning—absolutely, it was my daughter's decision to, to bring joy out of difficulty. You know, and and, um, uh, you know, we. Advent is a time of of busyness and hecticness. Homeschooling is a time of challenge and self sacrifice, right? And if we can't bring joy to the table with it, we have to really think about why we're doing it. And remember why we're doing it, you know, and and um, and the thing is too is that we can't expect. Okay, I've decided to be joyful, and that's the way it is. You are always off track, off track, off track, and have to bring yourself back, like daily and weekly and monthly. That's something that is it's not something you just decide one day, and you're you're um you're doing it. You know, you you make a decision every single day of your life, every moment. You know, every moment right saintes has this little way really isn't it that we you know we make a decision to be joyful
0: every day and i think it's good to end where we began which is on our knees um that joy is a gift from god and can't be manufactured and it has to do with abandonment into god's arms and 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 being willing and of course there are lots of you're always emphasizing the importance of our family relationships, and that involves mercy and giving everyone a fresh start every day and all of that which you do in your home. You're so attuned to your family's needs and their varied temperaments and all of that and and we can all learn day by day. And as you've said about not having to have a perfect advent, we don't have to have perfect relationships either. We can continually abandon that to God and be little, as Saint therese was to to uh, you know, be be little flowers in God's garden and trust him to do the rest.
2: And know that when you, you know, you mess up and you have a bad day, like every day of your life, you know, there's going to be moments and that you just, yeah, you just start all over again.
0: God's grace. Ah, oh, Bonnie, thank you so much for being willing to really step us into something. I feel like that was a Holy Spirit moment when you were kind of like, hmm, do I share this? This is hard. But I feel like that's kind of where we live as, as human beings, but as women, as mothers. There's, this, there's a lot of pain involved. And yet, look at God's miracle on Christmas Day, the way it poured out, his love poured out to you through your daughters. Just beautiful. Thank you so much.
2: This has been lovely, Lisa.
0: Thanks for that. What a gift. Thank you. And we wish you all very um, a joy filled, a deeply joy filled and gentle Advent season with your families. And please, uh, hold on for just a couple more minutes. We have our short feature coming right up. Um, but before we go to the feature, I just want to remind you to find Bonnie Landry at ohthatsimple.com. That's at our show page and practicing mammal. Dot com. Do check out Bonnie Landry and her Ministry of Joy. Again, hold on for our short feature coming right up.
1: Hi, I'm AJ Catapan. Welcome to Books and Blessings, a place where I get to share with you some of my favorite books for Catholic teens and tweens. Today, I'd like to share with you one of my favorite YA mysteries. It's called The Perfect Blindside* by Catholic author, Leslie Wall. In this award-winning mystery, we meet Jake Taylor, a high schooler who surprises everyone when he wins a silver medal for snowboarding in the Winter Olympics. When his parents become concerned over the sudden rush of attention Jake receives, they decide to move the family to a small town in the mountains of Colorado. Not too far from snowboarding training ground, it's still far enough away to keep Jake from the prying eyes of the paparazzi. Most people in the town are thrilled to have an Olympic silver medalist move in, but not honor student Sophie Metcalf. She's got a theory about cute guys like Jake. They can't be trusted because their good looks make it too easy for them to get whatever they want. But when trouble starts brewing in their small town in the form of slash tires, rumored ghosts in old coal mines, and false accusations, The egotistical snowboarder and the judgmental honor student may just need to team up to uncover what's really going on in this not-so-sleepy little town. Author Leslie Wall does an amazing job of making her characters realistic while still infusing faith into her story. I love the way she has Sophie pray throughout the book. Her prayers aren't overly pious, long epistles. They are quick, in-the-moment, down-to-earth prayers, like when she asks Jesus to help her keep her mouth shut after she accidentally says things she shouldn't. I love how Leslie gives her characters in The Perfect Blindside realistic flaws. I mean, you'd expect a teenage boy who just won an Olympic medal to be a bit egotistical. And then she lets them have some real character development without swinging the pendulum between sinner and saint too far or too fast. Leslie Wall's The Perfect Blindside is published by Pauline Books and Media and has won several awards including first place in the Catholic Press Association Book Awards, a gold medal Reader's Favorite Award, and a silver medal for the Illumination Christian Book Awards. It's also received the Catholic Writers Guild seal of approval. For more book suggestions, visit my website at ajcatapan.com. There, you can also learn about my own books for young readers, including my very own mystery, Seven Riddles to Nowhere, perfect for your tween or young teen who loves reading a mystery story they can play along with. Thanks for joining me on Books and Blessings. Be sure to find me online on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or on my website, ajcatapan.com. Until next time, happy reading.
0: And that's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com. Be sure to subscribe to Homeschooling Saints and leave us an honest review. God bless you, and thank you for joining us.